So today, today is a good day to binge watch TV, right? Yeah? Come on. I got one person to be honest here. I need some, I'm not the only one that binge watches, right? You know, Netflix, Hulu, maybe the old-fashioned TV with commercials. But come on. We binge watch something. This is the perfect type of day to do that. You know, you get a nice something warm, you know, soup and crackers or coffee or something warm. And you're just like, yeah, I could just, I could just, you know, on my phone, you know, you could do that on your phone now. Just, uh, you know, maybe tablet. I don't have one with me, but tablet. Or, you know, on your, on your TV, too. No commercials. Forget the commercials. I remember when my kids watched the old school TV the first time, right? And a commercial came. <laughs> and they were like, what is this? What, what's going on? Put the video back on, Daddy. I'm like, you know, you got to wait, kid. I'm like, this is real TV. This is, what it, this is what I grew up with. And right over their head. They had no clue. So... Watching TV, I'm a TV junkie, I know it. I know I gotta be intentional on cutting it end. But what I go to, and let's be real, I know I got one real person with me today, but reality TV, come on. Let's be real. There's something for everybody out there. If you're a car guy like me, there's, you know, turn your lawnmower into a sports car. Or if you're, you know, you're a business person, there's like, oh, my business is horrible. And this guy comes in like, oh, this is what you're doing wrong, wrong. right? Or restaurants like, oh, this restaurant sucks. And this is how you make everything better. Or what else is out there? Dating. Ooh, that's a good one. That's juicy stuff right there. Come on. I know we got some TV, you know, dating games, dating show. I got to find love on TV for some reason. Like, it's going to come to you there. Anyways, uh, but there's something for everybody in reality TV. And you know how I know this? It's not because of, you know, the high fives I'm getting right now or the chuckles. It's because reality TV is everywhere on every single station. It has just flooded the entertainment industry. And the only reason it's done that is because people watch it. So I thought, why am I watching this? <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> and, you know, I'm being honest with you because uh, that's what it is. Um, but I started thinking, like, why, why am I watching this right now? And I did something I don't normally do. I did some research. <laughs> Who's with me on that, right? You know, you're not a researcher, but you kind of get to your limit, and you're like, oh, i got to look something up. Maybe there's something else out there, some information. So I found this article, and I read the whole thing. That's an accomplishment for me. I'm not a reader, okay? The whole thing, not just the headline, okay? If my wife is watching or hearing this, I read the whole article, honey, okay? Uh, this is what... And it was all about reality TV, you know, the impact of it, why, what's the lure, like moth to a flame, right? It's just like, oh, reality TV, I need to watch this. And it pointed out some very, very interesting things. It pointed out that, you know, the, there's like an inter, interactivity there. Uh, we can relate to it. We can, you know, maybe feel better about ourselves. Like, ooh, that marriage is in turmoil on TV. I've... My marriage must have just descended on angels' wings from heaven because I don't have such a sucky marriage like that one on TV. Or, you know, I know my business also, right after my marriage descended from heaven, my business descended from heaven because it's not going through all that garbage. Or don't these people know the basics of business? Don't these people know the basics of restaurant industry? Come on. 
You, don't you know how to make a sports car into a lawnmower and vice versa? Come on, I know how to do this. What's wrong with you people? So there's an interactivity, but even more so, this, this article here, it said something very interesting, and it closed with this. It said that, uh, ooh, uh, the singing reality TVs, who likes that? And who likes the outtakes? Come on. Come on, let's be real. You know, you get up there and someone's like gave you a participation trophy your whole life and they're like, yes, I can sing. And if I tried to do that right now, I would be on that outtake show right now. But I love watching it. Anyways, it says uh, that one of these shows, it's most popular television show in America, not because it produces stars, but because it turns the audience into what they've always wanted to be, star makers. Always. We always want to build someone up. We always want to be like, yeah, you got it. Pass on what we have. I created, I helped that person along. You know, remember me when you're, you know, flourished with all this, whatever you're flourished with. And my conclusion that I've come to after reading this article, reflecting on my own stuff, I thought, you know what? Reality TV, it does one thing. It makes us think we are something we're not. Simple as that. My marriage is eternally more awesome than yours. My business is eternally more awesome than you. I must have found true real love because I'm not going through all this garbage on Bachelor Bachelorette because, you know, you just want to find marriage. Or I'm not so dramatic, you know, in everything I do because of whatever the case is. It makes us think we're something we're not, either good or bad. And that's, this gospel for heathens, that's what we're talking about. That's what the Galatians did. If the Galatians had reality TV, I think they'd be junkies for reality TV. Because what happened with the Galatians? They heard the gospel. They loved the gospel. They, they, it's like, mm, this is it. And then some people, you know, came out of their blind spot and boom, hey, you know, it's great that you love the gospel. It's great that it's changed your life. But really, you need to adhere to, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. I call it the yeah, but gospel. Yeah, you love the gospel. And yeah, it's changed your life. But let's be real. You got to do this. You got to be that. You aren't truly saved. You aren't truly impacted by the gospel until fill in the blank. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what it is for me sometimes. But that's where the Galatians were at. And then this guy Paul, he, uh, he writes them this letter. And what does he do? He's kind of upset with them, you know. But he doesn't just rail them. I mean, he kind of does, but he, he does it in a spirit of, like, concern, of, man, you people loved the gospel. What's going on now? Don't you know you're saved by grace? Don't you know that it's your faith that saves you? Don't you know that it's nothing that you can do to make you acceptable before God the Father except your faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross? Don't you remember that? This isn't something new. He says, you have an identity in Christ. You... The, the same God that created the heavens and the earth and created you in your mother's womb before you were in your mother's womb has a calling and a purpose for you. And it's sealed in Jesus Christ. Don't, don't forget that, Galatians. So here we are, chapter 6. We're going to uh, be reading to conclude this Gospel for Heathens. And I've come up with a little title. I'm not going to share it with you unless it's up on the slides right now. I don't know, maybe. Uh, but something I want, I want us to do, and I'm going I'm to hit this up hard because it's very critical. And this, if we were to read just 
verses 1 through 10 that we're going to read in chapter 6, it's very easy to create a hit list of to-dos for the gospel. I have to do this. I have to do that. You should do this. You should do that. We should be like that. You need to. You need to. I need. You need. It's very easy to. But, and especially in this world, you know, who, who's uh, Twitter, right? I'm just learning Twitter, all that, but you have a certain amount of characters to get your point across. And that's the type of, and then once you have that in there, you know, one blurb, two blurbs, it's like, boom, that's an impact statement right there. So we're used to just reading like that much of all those words and saying, but, but, look at, look at this. Because uh, the Bible says this right here. Yes, it does. But something more critical, we need to you know, take a step back and look at the broader picture. There were probably, well, there were five chapters before this. And that's what we need to keep in context when we read this. Because when we lose context of these verses we're going to read, it will turn into a to-do list that will do nothing but destroy you. Okay? It's very critical. I'm going to keep on hitting that up. So stand with me. We're going to read uh, Bible here. We're going to actually, we're not going to start at chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to start at chapter 5, verse 25. It's just two verses right before the beginning of 6. And this is right after Paul says, hey, you know, your, your, uh, when your, your, your Holy Spirit in you and the flesh, it's against each other. And, and the spirit of flesh, this is what it looks like. This is how you can identify it by X, Y, and Z. And the, the spirit of God, you know, this is the fruit of the spirit, X, Y, and Z. And then he says this. He says if we live by the Spirit, let us walk, also walk by the Spirit. Uh, in verse 26 of chapter 5. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbors, for each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be, de be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that, he, that will he also reap. Verse 8. For the one who sows into the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows from the Spirit will from the Spirit uh, reap eternal life. I apologize here. Number 9 and 10, and then we're going to be done here reading. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. So pray with me. God, I, just, uh, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing here. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that your words would be uh, spoken here tonight. Everything that we've prepared, everything we're expecting, we just lay before you. And Holy Spirit, we want you to speak. We want you to, uh, most importantly, Jesus, we just want to see you. So I just ask that you help make that happen. Uh, in your name we pray. Amen. Have a seat. So this scripture, and as I was reading through this, the title of this message is the tangible gospel. Because, like I said, this can easily be uh, misconstrued into a to-do list, but it's not that at all. It's really, we believe this gospel. We believe, uh, like the song, we believe that Jesus left everything uh, in, in heaven, came to earth, totally limitless in heaven, and limited himself to the flesh of a person 
He lived his life. He died on the cross. He received the punishment for the things that we have done. He died, he rose again, and he's with God right now on our behalf, interceding for us, saying, if you're a believer, he's saying, no, 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 I got it. You know, they're, they're covered by my blood. You're good. So the tangible gospel, it's not any addition to the gospel, like what the, the Galatians were experiencing. Hey, you got to do this, or you got to do that, and then you'll have the gospel. This tangible gospel is what it physically looks like now. What does it look like now? The gospel happened, Jesus' actions happened 2,000 years ago. And those are the only things that, that bring us into right standing with God the Father. Nothing else. But these 10 verses show us this. This is what God's family looks like. The gospel is the core. That's your first fill-in on your notes there. The gospel is the core. And that's, if we read through, if you go from Galatians 1 all the way through Galatians 6, you read through the whole thing, that's what Paul is driving home to the Galatians. He's saying, guys, the gospel is the core of everything, not just something, and then you do this. I read something, uh, again, research. I'm not, I'm not used to researching, and when I do, it's fun. Uh, so I did some research into this, and I, I, I read something that was very eye-opening for me is that when we do, this is the gospel, the yeah, but gospel is what I'm going to call it. Yeah, but you got to add this. Yeah, you got to do that. It infers that we do not experience the transformation of the gospel until we attain something. And it's always going to be just out of reach. But what Paul explains to us is that we're saved by grace. We're saved by our faith, putting our faith into Jesus Christ and his actions. And right there and then, when we have a salvation by faith, it infers that the gospel is not something that is just out of reach, just beyond your fingertips. The gospel transformation is the here and the now. It is not something to be attained. It is not something that you earn. It is not something that you, uh, it's not a paycheck. <laughs> it isn't. You don't work to get the gospel. The gospel's already done the work to go get you. Okay, so the second thing here. We read in 6, chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verse 1, it starts with some key verbiage, and it ends with some key verbiage. It starts with brothers. Who's got a brother? Brother, come on, it's okay, don't be ashamed. Who's got a brother? I got a brother, too. Yes? And it ends with household of faith. And another translation, it says family of faith. So it begins with something referencing family, and it ends with something referencing family. So your next fill in the blank, I gotta make sure I read it correctly. The gospel produces a family that cares about each other. And what we're gonna unpack here is how this tangible gospel, how we show and demonstrate to our family and those outside of our family, the gospel. So we're talking about family. It demonstrates what God's family looks like. And I'm no expert on family, not at all. My experiences growing up wasn't from like the, you know, town of Mayberry family, you know, like, oh, you know, everybody works together and it's great. No, my family was like the reality TV family. Come on. Yes. No, don't raise your hand. You don't have to. But yes, I mean, it was like if my, and I'm sure some of you said this too, you know, watching your reality TV, man, if my family was up there, man, if my job was up there, I'd be rich because everybody would want to see this garbage. I'm not alone in that. I know that. But I say that because 
the struggles I experienced because of, you know, the discombobulation of my family, it amazes me because only God can use all things to, to his glory. And what he did is he brought me to a point that I relied on him to learn things about family as opposed to what was right in front of me. So here we go. Your first point there is gospel responsibility to our family. Simple as that. That's what it is. And we look at verse 1 through 3. Now, 1 through 3, were, uh, there's two separate points within those, but you cannot uh, divide them. It's, you can't have one and not the other. You can't do one and, and not the other. You can't behave in one way and not do the other behavior. This is what it says. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. And there's some interesting verbiage here. The brother's part, but also caught. Caught. I want you guys to do whatever you got to do to that. Underline it, circle it, you know, put a hashtag next to it. I don't know. But caught. In transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. So what is he saying? All you believers out there, you now have the Holy Spirit badge that you can wear. You're the Holy Spirit, you know, state troopers. No, he's not saying that at all. That's what happens when we just look at one verse and not, and not the whole. This caught in transgression, it's... Uh, Who's ever been outside, you know, in the woods, in the, I'm not a woodsman, but I've been on trails, or you're in a basement, maybe like a creepy basement that has spider webs, uh, but you're walking along, and you're not expecting, and before you know, like, boom, I'm in a spider web, God, it's just everywhere, you can't get it off of you, and then the hours later, you feel something, you're like, oh, another spider web, just, yeah. that's what he's talking about, you're caught in transgression, it's not like, I, I, I that's what the only way I can uh, kind of make a connection there is that we, we're imperfect people. We just are. We're humans. We're not perfect. So you're not expected to be perfect. And we're going to sin. And what this is talking about, it's talking about like an unintentional, I, I, I didn't even know that I walked right into this. I didn't know. I didn't plan it. It wasn't like in the back of my head, like, hmm, I'm going to just go do this because I want to go sin today. That's what he's talking about here. And what he says is, if this happens, if this happens, you who are spiritual, what should you do? Get on your high horse, ride in your stallion. You're like, here, I'm the, I'm the Holy Spirit state trooper here. You're doing it all wrong. Doing it all wrong. Doing it all wrong. Don't you know what's up? What's, what's wrong with you? Don't you know? Uh, no. He doesn't tell us to do that. He says to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. And then the next thing right after that, he says, uh, where is it? Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. So what he's saying is that you who are spiritual, you who, who are, are you, you've walked in the faith, we should be restoring these people in gentleness, knowing Kind of like saying, you better watch yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, you too, you too sin. You too have sinned. Don't you know the gospel also saved you? And who were you before the gospel saved you? You were a dirty, nasty sinner just like I'm a dirty, nasty sinner. And that's what he's saying here. This, uh, you're caught in transgression. 
bear one another's burden. This, this, uh, this word bear one another's burden and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is awesome. Because this word bear, it, it's like, who's ever felt like they've had just a dirty, nasty monkey on their back that just won't leave them alone? Come on. Yes? That's what this is talking about. This like oppressive thing in your life that just won't get off of you. It just won't. No matter how much you pray, no matter how much you seek out God, no matter how much, how much, how much, how much, it just, it's just there. And it just infuriates you, right? So you who are spiritual, you come alongside this person that's been caught in a transgression and you, you know who you are before Christ and in the spirit of gentleness, it says, listen, this is the truth of what the gospel is, man. I've been where you're at. I know what it's like. I'm here for you. I want to help bear this burden with you. I want to pray with you on it. Maybe there's something tangible. I'm not going to tell you what to do in that situation, except remember who you were before God the Father, before you accepted Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, restoring a spirit of gentleness. This is, uh, this gentleness, it's not like a, everything's going to be okay. Here's your participation trophy, you know, boo-hoo, you sinned, oh, poor little bit. no saying like knowing the truth and that confidence of the truth of the gospel in your life and you sharing it with them in a gentle way, the same way it was shared with you. So the second uh, fill in the blank, the sub point we'll call it, uh, is bear one another's burdens. That's what we've been talking about, this monkey on our back that just won't leave us alone. And what does he say? He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our responsibility to bear one another's burdens is not to each other. It is not to your family. It is not to your job. It is to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what did he do? He bared the eternal burden of all of us when he was least deserving on his shoulders so that we would be accepted and, and uh, accepted before God the Father. So we're going to go on here to uh, chapter, I'm sorry, I keep on saying chapter, verse 5 and four and five here. And I like the way that the NLT, the New Living Translation, says this. It says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. Who wants a job well done? A little gold star right there next to your name. And it wasn't rhetorical. Like, I, I want a gold star next to my name. <laughs> like, I'm just being honest with you. Uh, so it says, pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. And in the ESV, it says, I typed it out here, it ends saying, for each will bear his own load. So here's this word bear again, referring to a load, like a, like a monkey on your back, but that's not what it's talking about. This is, this is showing... I used, to, I used to play baseball. Anybody on sports teams, you'll get this. Anybody not on sports teams, you have a job, like, you'll get this. And you don't have a job, that's fine. You're not on sports, that's fine. You're part of a family. I know everybody's part of a family. You'll get this. What this is talking about is that there's, there's a responsibility of the group, but there's a responsibility of each role within the group. So I used to play shortstop. So I had a responsibility as a shortstop. I have to be the cutoff man. I got to do this. I got to do X, Y, and Z. It wasn't the first baseman's responsibility. It wasn't the third baseman's responsibility. It wasn't the pitcher. I, as a shortstop, when a ball goes to left field, I have responsibilities. 
and you in the corporate world or uh, in the small business world or wherever you are in the job force. You have a responsibility, an individual responsibility in that job, in that role to the larger group. And in the family that you're part of, maybe you're a mother, maybe you're a father, maybe you're a, a son, a daughter, a cousin, grandma, I don't know. But you're part of a larger family, but you have an individual role, individual responsibility. And that is your burden to bear. You fathers, you fathers, you fathers, you have the role to bear as a father. You mothers, you have a role to bear as a mother. And brothers and sisters, the same. Sons and daughters, the same. You have a role that is to share, to, to, to focus on in the shared group. Men in the family, there are things in the family that only you are supposed to be doing. I don't know what it is, but there are only things that you are supposed to be doing. So the same way uh, we have here, we have individual roles in the family of Christ to be who Jesus has made us to be, to know what he has called us to. And what is the responsibility to? Not each other, not myself. It's to the gospel. It's to Jesus Christ to reflect the same thing that he has done for us 2,000 years ago. So your third sub-point in there is bear your own load. What is it? I don't know. I kind of struggle with that myself. What's mine? I don't know. I got a good idea, but not all the way. So we carry on into uh, verses 6 and 8. Verse 6, uh, it, I like the NLT version. I know, I think the ESV is going to be up here, but I like the NLT version here a little bit. It starts in verse 6. It says, those who were taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with him, with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live to only satisfy your own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So before we really dive deep into this, we are looking at what it starts off. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers. Yeah, it's saying exactly what you think it's saying. Pay the preacher. <laughs> Pay the preacher. And what we're talking about isn't, you know, hey, preacher man, I got a holy handshake here for you. Good message today. No. No. He's not talking about holy handshakes and, you know, all that, what he's talking about is honoring God with your money. That's what he's talking about. And in this time when, when Paul was writing the Galatians, some of the things that the Galatians were being told is, listen, you don't have to win willingly uh, or voluntarily, you know, help out these preachers or, or give these preachers anything. These people that are teaching you the word of God, the word of God that has transformed your life, you don't have to voluntarily do that. And what Paul, is probably the most blunt thing about money is saying, pay the preacher. It's simple as that, pay the preacher. Honoring God with our money. And what does he say? Why do we pay the preacher? Why do we provide for those that have taught us something in the gospel? Why? Not as a responsibility to the preacher, not as a responsibility to our church, as a responsibility to the gospel. What does he go into? He goes into telling us wherever you sow, you're gonna harvest. 
In chapter five, that's what he, he talked about. The spirit of flesh looks like this, this, and this, and it wasn't pretty. The spirit and the fruit of, of the spirit looks like this, da-da-da-da-da, and it's pretty attractive. It looks pretty good. I want some of that peace and patience and gentleness. I want some of that. I don't want this, you know, blood and carnage garbage. No. But this is what he's saying, that where you sow, where you put your seeds, where you put your investments, where you put your time, where you put your money, you will sow from that. And it might be a little uh, rough around the edges here, but maybe some of us are wondering, maybe God's challenging you here to look at the way that you spend your money. Maybe. I know since I've been here, we, my wife and I have been very diligent, very intentional, because we have to be. Otherwise, you know, chaos happens. We're happy to give our money to this church. We are. God has taught me so much through this church, not just from Tim, but all, the, all of you people here, that I'm happy, I'm honored to contribute to the things that God's doing here. I really am. We'll talk more about that later. Not today, but later. So, good little bookmark there. What else is this saying? Honoring God with our money. It's, this is a simple application. Simple. Pay the preacher. Not with holy handshakes, okay? So, Friday, one of my brothers in Christ helped me out with something, and he said something to this effect. And it really resonated with me, because how quickly do we forget he goes, Jim, I'm happy to do this for you because you can't outgive God. You can't. And it's something that I've lived and that I've learned, but I, I was so quick to lose sight of it. So quick. So then we move into the, uh, the last point here. We're going to close with this. Point number two. We're going to read in verse 9 and verse 10. It says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are in the household of faith. So that's an easy one. We can take that, just do good. Do good. Put on your state trooper badge of the gospel and just stop it. Do good. Do, 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 do. No. No. These behaviors that we're talking about, they're behaviors that are rooted and grounded and transformed by nothing else than the gospel. Nothing else than the gospel. The gospel is this, that Jesus came, he died, he was perfect, he served as the, the one and only sacrifice to make us sinful, nasty people acceptable before God the Father. That's what it is. And what did he do? When did he do good to me? When did he bear my burdens? When did he do all of this? His whole entire life, his whole life. So Paul says, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. Point number two is gospel responsibility to all. That's going to be hard stuff. It's hard. Doing good is fun, but doing good to all, that's another tall order right there. It's going to be hard. It's going to be exhausting. But in those times we feel exhausted, in those times we feel like, how can I do good to this neighbor? Right? We all know the neighbor we're talking about. How can I do good to this family member, 
whoever that family member is. How could I do good to this coworker or this boss or my wife or my husband or my brother or my sister or my whoever it is? How can I do good to these people? What good? I don't know. But what I do know is that the only way that this can happen, the only way that any of it happens is when that behavior and that approach is rooted and grounded and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life. Okay? Now, how do I know that behavior is changed when the gospel is transformed someone's life? Well, check out the dude that wrote this, this letter to the Galatians. Paul, he was kind of nasty to Christians. Really nasty to Christians. Really nasty. And God met him. Boom! Like a punch in the face from God, kind of. That's what Paul got. The gospel changed his life. And then what did he do? That's the next most important thing. What did Paul do? What was his behavior after that encounter with God? His behavior changed. To what? To his responsibility to God and the gospel transformation in his life. So we look at this, I think, it's going to be hard. I can try to be encouraging right now. I can try to be like, ah, just keep on going. You know, just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. Just keep swimming. But... It's God, it's the Holy Spirit in us that makes anything possible. Now, doing good to the household of faith, that's a family of God. How can I do good to the person sitting next to me? Don't look at them. How can I do that? I don't know, but God does. He does. And when we are good to the household of faith, when we are good to our family, to our brothers and sisters, who sees that? Everyone, everyone. That's why our our responsibility is not to each other in doing good. Our responsibility is not to my wife or my son or whoever to do good. My responsibility is to God as a member of his family, as his son called to his purposes to do good to the household of faith because everyone's gonna see it. And when it's done the way that God outlines here in the Bible, when it's driven by a gospel behavior, the gospel that has transformed your life, people are going to ask you questions and they're going to be interested and they're going to want the same thing that you have, which is nothing that you could do on your own. So our behavior needs to be rooted in the gospel because when it's rooted elsewhere, we think we are something we're not simple as that. So we need to do good here. This good we're doing, we do not need to do it for the results. We do not need to do it for the blessing or the hopes of a blessing or the things that we want, the things that we might expect because I'm doing good like God has told me to do good. We keep doing good because that's what was done for us first. That's what was done for us first. I believe that there's a lot of people out here right now and online that have watched through this message series and there's been something tinkering away at your heart, tinkering away at your mind. There's been something stirring inside. You're like, what is this? You believers, maybe it's something to be, uh, you know, to come alongside in 
remember who we are in the gospel and have that change our behavior. For you non-believers, maybe, just maybe, it's God drawing you, calling you out, saying, hey, wherever you are, I got you the way you are, I love you the way you are, and I died for you.